Hello, rich girls. Welcome back to Old Money, the podcast for women building the trust funds they wish they were born with. I'm so happy you're here. I'm your host, Amber Frank Husen, and I'm really excited about this episode. I think every podcast host says that as they open, we're going to have a great episode for you. If you listen to the toast, you know that's true. They say it literally every time. But this one, this is like what I'm into right now. And it quite frankly might be the most helpful psychological overview that will save you a ton of money in therapy. It's going to save you from having to buy a ticket to go to Tony Robbins. And at the end of this episode, my goal for you is to give you the ability to on demand at any time of your life, tap into massive feelings of abundance or love and change your energy in an instant. This is something I've been working on a lot in my own life. I cannot wait to share it with you. We're going to dive into the woo-woo today. I'll let you know what's real science and what's pseudoscience, but we're going to get to the good stuff first in this episode. I'm going to do a birdie and bogey at the end of the episode. So let's go ahead and get right into it. So this is a financially focused podcast and we're all about saving money. And so I'm here today to save you about $600 just right off the top of the episode. That's correct. I'm saving you $600 right now because what I'm going to do is I'm going to break down for you the Tony Robbins Unleash the Power Within three-day mega conference and break it down for you. I mean, the reality is it really is. If you're interested in self-development, it's something that's great to experience, especially doing it live with a big audience. But I want to dispel the mystery around what happens at this particular event and if it would be right for you. I want to tell you my key takeaways and how this relates to you becoming more wealthy today. So first of all, I went to Unleash the Power Within, which is a specific program. Tony has a couple of different programs like Date with Destiny or Business Mastery. This one is Unleash the Power Within. I went in July of 2019. I actually went on my birthday. So just to give you context, this was about six months after I had started my business, the agency AF Marketing. I had no idea what I was doing. I was trying to figure out my life. I had just come off the heels of doing some pretty intensive personal development in therapy for the first time seriously, and also going to Lori Harder's Bliss Project, which no longer exists, but it was my first introduction to the world of personal development in a conference setting. And I have known about Tony forever. And I was always thinking to myself, if I don't have the opportunity to see him before, and I know this is morbid, but before he dies, I'm going to regret it. It's like seeing the Rolling Stones. Tony Robbins is my rock star. So I was going to need to see him in person. So I went to see him in Dallas. And I mean, it was a mind-blowing experience, but not for the reasons that you're probably thinking. So the program itself is really a repackaging of a lot of these self-help themes, tropes, lots of different teachings from Tony's teachers like Jim Rome or you know anybody that's in the personal development space, you've probably heard a lot of the same things like the wheel of life or getting into a peak state, controlling your physiology, all that type of stuff. This is it on steroids. And the reality is this is a $600 ticket to go be sold to buy more Tony products. Now, I know a ton of people who have been really involved in the Tony universe, and I, I love Tony Robbins' teachings but I think you have to take it with a grain of salt. I remember he has that Netflix special called I Am Not Your Guru. And I'm so happy that he says that of himself because I see a lot of people misplacing their faith or trust in any type of kind of supreme leader or the person that has all the answers. This is really about getting empowered to find the answers within yourself. 
So with this particular program, you go and you basically get sold for four days to go buy other coaching programs or to get signed up for a platinum partnership or do other coaching programs within the Tony universe. So the $600 ticket to entry to do this, there is a lot of value in it, but you're going to continue to get sold after that. So just make sure you have that in mind whenever you go to a conference. And Tony Robbins is just like the master of marketing. Okay, this is a machine. I think I told this story on the podcast, but a few months ago, I went to the Aspire conference here in San Diego where I got to see speakers like Jesse Eitzler, Tim Story, Emily Ford, some amazing, incredible motivational speakers. And Andrew Cordell, who's the founder of Aspire Conference, gave this incredible talk about money. I haven't even talked about that yet. We're going to need to go back to that and talk about the difference between rich people and poor people. You guys, it's going to blow your mind. I will recap that for you as well. But I mean, my God, I'm in 2019 right now recapping Tony. We have so much to cover here on the Old Money Podcast. So my point was at the Aspire Conference, Andrew Cordell, also a master of marketing, drove so much interest and drove so much scarcity and urgency around the opportunity to attend another conference that he had people literally jumping out of their seats while he was still talking, elbowing each other, pushing people out of the way to get to the table, to sign up, to be able to be one of the lucky people to attend the next conference. I mean, marketing genius. And that's why I went to Tony. I wanted to see the fanfare, the techniques, the production value, the way he commands an audience. You guys, the production, the music, the way that he, he does this crazy thing where he like leans back with his right hand and he puts his left hand forward. And he like goes, ah, and then he like, I don't remember. I think he says yes or shit. I don't know. He does something and it like cues the music and stops the energy. And then the whole thing is just perfectly orchestrated. You are in and out of hypnosis, guided meditations. You are jumping, you are dancing, you are crying, you are laughing. It is just a cacophony of emotions. And the whole point of this is trying to teach the audience how to control their physiology. That is what it is. The physiology. And what I mean by that is how you feel, how your body feels and what you're putting value on. Because what's crazy about this, this is a four-day conference or no, maybe that's a lie. Maybe it was three days. I actually can't quite remember. Three or four days. And you guys, you're on your feet for 18-hour days. These are legitimate 18-hour days. The first day starts at like eight o'clock and you're done at three in the morning. Not a lie. And somehow you're not tired. There's no exhaustion or fatigue. And also you don't eat. There's nothing available to eat in this damn arena that we were in. I think I had like a soft pretzel one day and you're just not hungry. You'd think that it's the most bizarre thing, but it's actually not bizarre. It's that way by design. This whole thing is by design. So with this program, the kind of climax of the whole event is the fact that you walk on fire. Yes, I did it. I walked on fire. I walked on hot burning coals, so hot you can feel them on your face. I walked on them with bare feet. And it's all about controlling your physiology and getting into an energetic state, which Tony calls a peak state. So the whole concept of this comes back to what they talk about in personal development all of the time. I call it TFAR. I don't think other people call it that. Maybe I I have picked that up somewhere. That's just what I call it because I have to keep it as an acronym in my mind, TFAR. Thoughts, feelings, actions, results. And the concept is your thoughts create your feelings, your feelings create your actions, and your actions create your results. So if you want a different result, what has to happen is you have to change your thoughts. 
And controlling and being aware of your thoughts is so freaking hard. So the easier way to do it is to control your physiology. Essentially, you're going before the thought and you're controlling your physical body, your feeling, your vibes, your energy, your commitment. You're programming that into your body at a cellular level. Now, one of the things I always talk about is, for example, if I'm trying to memorize a presentation or I'm trying to get some emotion that I need to work through, I'm journaling, I like to go and do this on walks. And the reason I like to go and walk while I work things out or as I think of things or program you know, new communities or strategies for clients or whatever is because your brain tends to get into more of a flow state when you're distracted with doing something else like walking. And it's sort of the same idea here, except what you're doing is you're getting your body into a flow state of a peak state. So again, in Tony's program, he uses and his other teachers use a lot of guided meditations. You're deep in meditation. You're thinking about a compelling future. You're programming in powerful visualizations about what your ideal future looks like. And then you're learning to drop into that, who you want to be on the other side of the firewalk, on the other side of starting a business, on the other side of building wealth, on the other side of being out of debt. And then you need to get your body into action so that you can have the thoughts that go to the feelings, that go to the actions that will give you the results that you want. And when we think about this in terms of finances, if money, you know, I always go back to asking, and this is a great question to journal on, why do I want to be wealthy? Why do I want to have money? Why do I want to be rich? And there's a lot of superficial stuff in there, right? I want a new Fendi bag. I want a capsule wardrobe that's all designer and it's the row. I want to drive a new car. I want to live in a great house. That's all important stuff. I'm not saying it's superficial. It's just the surface layer of it. The deeper stuff is that because you think by having money and having those things, you will be accepted. You will be admired. You will feel happiness. You will feel joy. Life will be easier for you. You have these ideas of what you think the feeling will be when you have the money in the bank. And the truth is you can start feeling those feelings today, regardless of how much money is in the bank or how much money is owed on the credit card. I know a lot of us are there or have been there. So with the changing of the physiology to change the thoughts, to change the feelings, to change the actions, to change the results, TFAR, I feel like I need to come up with like, I don't know what the acronym is that includes the physiology, like TFAR. I don't know. That doesn't make sense. The P is silent. I don't know. You guys get with it. But my point is that the whole Tony program is learning how to get yourself into a peak state. So really quick, back to the firewalk. What happens at night? It's like 10 o'clock at night and he has got Phil Collins blasting you guys. It's dark. It's sexy. Phil Collins, you feel like you're in like an 80s movie with that deep like bass and the drums. It's the song he always plays is um, Feeling in the Air Tonight. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to sing it, but you know what I'm talking about, right? And whenever I hear that song now today, I just think about being at Tony Robbins. You guys, it's such a powerful anchor. And that's what we're going to get back to. Anyway, he's playing this music. You're in meditation. Then you're dancing. Then you're in meditation. And you're choosing to participate in getting into the peak state by what he says is he has you like shove your fist in there, like punch your fist in the air and say, yes, yes, yes. And get yourself hyped up. 
it's kind of the same technique. You've heard of this going into the bathroom and doing a power pose. Well, this is the loud, big Tony Robbins version of it. And so what happens is you literally file outside this entire arena in Dallas. Like it was like a basketball stadium worth of people files outside and they have these crazy drums, like tribal drums happening. It's pitch freaking black outside. And you walk up to this open field and there are like 15 lanes of hot coals and there's an ambulance and there's a fire truck and you look at it and you're like, holy shit, I'm about to burn my fucking face off. These hot coals are like what it looks like at the end of when you've been camping and you've been doing a fire and it's like an hour away from going out completely, but the embers are red hot and glowing. They look like the fake embers. You know what I mean? But these are very much real. You can feel the heat. And what happens is everybody gets in a single file line. And by the way, when you were in the arena, like inside in the auditorium, you've kind of like partnered up with people. And so you're standing with them in line and you're hyping each other up and the drums are going and it's dark and you hear people going, yes, yes, yes. And they're keeping themselves and getting themselves into a peak state of physiology. And essentially what happens is you get to the front of the line and you look at this 25 feet of hot freaking embers. You have no shoes on, by the way. You left your shoes in the auditorium. You walked outside barefoot and they grab you and they say, are you ready? And they, and you say, yes, yes, yes. And they say, will you do this? And you say, yes, yes, yes. And they launch you across these hot embers and you walk and you get to the other side and you feel like your feet have melted off. Like all of the skin is gone from your feet except it hasn't. Nothing happened to you at all. You're unscathed. There was nobody at the event that had anything wrong with their feet after walking on coals. It is the most incredible thing. And what's happening is you're controlling your physiology and you're controlling your mind so very much that you're focused on something else completely and you just get across. And also, by the way, the way that your feet are built, like you can get very quickly by, you're not standing in one place. You're prancing across this, you guys. It's like a little Bambi going across the, the hot ember. So you just don't have time to get burned. You're not standing in one place. But it is a really transformative experience. So you're like, Amber, what the hell does walking on coals have to do with me getting out of debt? Like, this is not helpful. Well, let me tell you why it's helpful. It's because everything that Tony Robbins does all of the ways that he talks to the audience, the way that he gets you in a peak state, the way that when he says something in the audience and he kind of lets you fill in the blank so you feel like you know the answer. So for example, if I say, Old Money is the podcast for women who are building the, you say, trust fund. And then you know you do that in an audience setting and it really builds rapport and it, it makes the audience feel like they know the information. It builds confidence. All of these techniques, I'm talking about mirroring energy. I'm talking about reframing thoughts. I'm talking about priming, modeling, anchoring. These are all very powerful NLP techniques. NLP. This is the second acronym I've given you today. We talked about TFAR, thoughts, feelings, actions, results. NLP is neuro-linguistic programming. I am fascinated by NLP because there are a ton of online coaches, business coaches that are using this and have studied it that really do make great, I mean, they help their clients so much because they teach them these reprogrammings. And even though I've been exposed to so much of this, even I have worked with a coach very recently. I worked with a business consultant and a mindset coach in Q4 of 2023. And I was being told things like I knew like thoughts versus feelings, like all these different techniques that I know, but I need somebody to like mirror them back to me and help me remember. 
NLP can be used for good and it can also be used for evil. It's really easy to manipulate people when you know NLP. So the other side of that is there's a lot of online coaches out there that are using NLP and maybe not the best way. But NLP as a practice is is kind of pseudoscience. And what I mean by that is that it's like a collection of ideas that are not necessarily like clinically tested or double-blind tested. So this is not science, even though it has a scientific sounding word. Now, that's not to say there's not studies out there, but I haven't researched enough to say with certainty that there is, you know, academic research done to show that this works. These are just techniques, okay? But the reality is I'm an anecdotal piece of evidence that it's worked on me. Okay, so that's the good and bad of it, but like, what is it? Well, neuro-linguistic programming, neuro meaning brain, linguistic meaning words, and then programming meaning, well, programming. It's about how our thoughts, our feelings, and our emotions are things that we can control or change instead of just allowing them to passively happen for us. So this is the practice of TFAR, changing your thoughts so that you change your feelings so that you'll motivate yourself to action to get different results. So before we get to the sexiest part of... NLP, which is all about anchoring. I want to tell you about a couple other techniques that you've probably heard of before. And the first one is reprogramming or reframing. And we've talked about this on other episodes before. And what this is about is noticing your thoughts and then replacing them with more positive thoughts if the ones that you have programmed in are negative. So again, the way that I've heard this you know, explained really well is that When we're a kid from our parents, culture, commercials, friends, family, whomever, we get all of this software installed in us. Like we're an old desktop Dell computer from 1998. You're running Windows 98. It's 2024. It's a little out of date. So you just pick up these things, these ideas from all these different random resources. Now, another way I'm going to save you time and money today is I'm going to tell you about this book that I'm reading. It's called Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Obviously, that's the type of book I'm reading. It's actually a really easy read. I do recommend it. I'm not all the way through it yet, but there are some really good nuggets that I picked up. So when we talk about the programming that's been installed in our Dell desktop computer that's running Windows 98 and we're trying to get to the iPhone, we're trying to make a big leap, we got to recognize first what the programming is so that we can take it off. And to recognize where the programming is, there might have been a lot of different influences that have put that programming into you. For example, verbal programming. This is all from the book. So for example, if you're hearing phrases said to you like money is the root of all evil or filthy rich or save your money for a rainy day, these are all verbal influences that are going to be embedded in us that are going to influence and give us a lens of how we look at money moving forward. The process to change this is through awareness, knowing that you've been given this programming where it came from. Number two, understanding that these statements might have affected your financial life so far. Then disassociating, which is also another neuro-linguistic programming technique, which is just basically taking that thought out of you. It doesn't have to be associated with you. It's not a part of who you are. You can see that that verbal programming is just a piece of verbal programming and not Bible scripture that you must follow. And then lastly, it's declaration, which is reframing, reprogramming some of that verbal processing. So if you were always told money makes people greedy and selfish, your reprogramming is, you know what? The more I have, the more I can share. So you get to reframe that thought really quickly. Another way we might've been influenced about money in our lives is by 
modeling. So how did your parents deal with money? Did they mismanage it? Were they big spenders or savers? Was your mom hiding shopping bags from your dad in the trunk of the car? Were they, you know, shrewd investors, really conservative? Was money constantly not there? Like what was modeled for you? That is again, just stuff that you tend to absorb like a sponge when you're a kid. And the reprogramming of that is exactly the same as, as it is for verbal influences, which is being aware of it, understanding that having that type of modeling happen to you has probably affected your financial life so far, disassociating from it. My parents were that way, but that doesn't mean I have to be. I'm not beholden to having the same financial habits as my guardians, my parents. I can do things differently. And then again, committing to make change or declaring that it's going to be different for you. My parents might've had a lot of trauma around money. My parents might've carried credit card debt. My parents might've had a lot of stress around money and I love them for their journey. And I know they did their best, but I'm going to do things a different way, declaring that it's going to be different for you. And knowing that you have the strength to do that, by the way, the last influence that could have impacted the programming that's running in your body, in your brain about money could have been specific incidences. So if there was something specific that happened to you, like, okay, I'll tell you mine. This is a little behind the curtain. But when I was a kid, my mom was responsible for giving me allowance. And when I would ask her for allowance because she wouldn't remember, she would say, I already paid you. But like now that I'm in my 30s, I know how it is. I don't even know what day of the week it is. I don't even know if I took out the trash. I don't even remember the last time I showered. Sometimes I'm so busy. And I can tell my mom now, looking back at her, was probably in the same mindset. But what it did was it made me feel nervous to ask for money. It made me feel nervous to ask for what I was owed. And that has showed up for me in a lot of different ways in my life because I didn't want my mom to be mad at me. I didn't want my mom to think I was trying to get more money out of her than I was allowed, but I was keeping track. I was the one with only a couple bucks in my piggy bank. Okay. So I knew when I was due allowance and she was doing her best. I forgive her for that. And I can absolutely see myself making the same type of mistake. And I can also see how that has probably impacted me in asking for a raise or getting paid back from a friend that owes me money, but I don't want to cause conflict. So I just don't ask and eat the cost. I even worked for a company one time where I would have to race to the bank on Friday afternoons as soon as they would let us leave to try to be one of the first people to cash my check because they would overdraft on their payroll account all the time. And so a lot of the times my paychecks would bounce. And I thought that was okay, you guys. Literally, the bank I used to rush to was the Chase in Pacific Beach on Garnett and Mission Bay Drive. You guys, the trauma that's anchored in that bank is for real. Like, oh my goodness, we're going to get to anchoring. I promise. It's the climax of the show. I'm promising it's going to be worth it. Anyway, reprogramming. So you're noticing the thoughts that you have. You're accepting the fact that they might've affected your life before and you're choosing a different way. Okay. That's all that reprogramming is. And it's just about changing what those old installed files on your Dell desktop, Windows 98 computers are, and you're deleting them and you're downloading an app instead. Okay. That's what it's about. It's just replacing the old technology with new, better technology. Another amazing Tony technique, as I call them, again, in this kind of like a neuro-linguistic programming sector of pseudoscience is the RAS. Wow. I've really been throwing a lot of acronyms at you today. RAS, another one. That's the third one. Let's recap. We've talked about NLP, neuro-linguistic programming. We've talked about TFAR, thoughts, feelings, actions, results. Now we're talking about RAS, which is the filtering system in your brain. 
You might have seen this clip. It's going viral right now on TikTok. It's Tony and Theo Vaughn. By the way, Theo Vaughn, like, what a character. And it's so funny that he interviewed Tony Robbins. He's the original Bobby Altahoff. Can we just say that? That is Theo Vaughn. He was doing it before Bobby was doing it. I just, we have to say that. Anyway, great to see that kind of dynamic of Tony and Theo together. And Tony does this thing. I'm going to ask you to do the same thing right now. If you are in a room, if you are driving, you have your eyes open and you can look around, I want you to notice everything that's red. Just see if you see anything as you're driving, looking around, noticing things that are red. If you're in a room, you're in a static place, just take a quick look around you and look for things that are red. If nothing's red, pick pink. But essentially, you're looking for anything that's red or pink in your purview and you're noticing it. You're calling it out in your brain. I'm looking around right now. There's nothing red, which is actually funny. There's pink stuff though. So I'm looking at my pink AirPod case. I'm looking at rose quartz crystals that are sitting on my desk. I'm looking at my work your light Oracle card deck that is also on my desk. I'm looking at a jade roller that's pink. You know, it's the rose quartz kind. I see more pink stuff. Oh, I've got lip gloss. I got this new lip gloss. What is this? It is Dior lip glow oil in color coral. And you guys, I know this is trending on TikTok. I'm going to say it's a pass. Like I really don't like it. It doesn't moisturize my lips at all. And it doesn't really give a lot of color, but this is my go-to. This is my Kosas wet. I don't know if it's lip oil. Yeah. Lip oil. And I have a shade jellyfish, which is this beautiful nude color. This is my jam. That is my favorite stuff. I love Kosas. This is my favorite lip oil product. So that's all the pink stuff. Okay. I'm looking around. I'm looking around. Oh, some post-its behind me. So the whole trick is now, if you're driving, don't do this, but if you're in a room, I want you to close your eyes and you're going to think about everything that's pink that you just saw. But now, instead of what's pink, I need you to tell me everything in the room that's blue. And what happens is because you're so focused, you got an assignment to look for the pink stuff. You didn't look for blue stuff. You can't tell me what's blue in the room. I'm closing my eyes right now and I, I know there's a blue chair next to me because it's a very expensive chair but that's the only thing that I know like logically. The point is that once you tell your brain to focus on a thing, it doesn't focus on other things. So what does that mean with wealth? What does that mean in life? You might've experienced this. I don't know if you're like me, but I'm always looking at cars when I'm driving, especially in my hometown. Like I remember when I was in high school, when you had a crush on a boy, you'd be like, oh my God, that's his car. He's driving a white Tahoe. And so you see white Tahoes everywhere, right? This was 2005 when a white Tahoe was like the car to have, right? Looking at you, Grant, great car to have in high school. The whole story is once you become aware that there's something that you want in a white Tahoe, all you see are white freaking Tahoes. So you start to really focus in on the thing that you're programming yourself to look at. But what happens is you put your blinders on. And you might not see that there's a really hot guy and a Ford F-150 next to you. You're only looking for white Tahoes. So you don't see that there's somebody else on the other side in a Chevy Silverado who's trying to give you eyes. You're only looking for white Tahoes. So you just discard every other opportunity that's available to you. And the reticular activating system, the RAS, is the part of your brain that does this filtering. And it does it for survival. We can't focus on everything at once. There's too much input. There's too much going on for us to really be able to absorb everything that's happening. So the reticular activating system protects our brain. It helps us focus, helps us get things done, but it also can be a detriment if it's not exercised properly. And what I mean by that is that you need to tell your brain what you want it to focus on in order to focus on the things that you want to focus on. How redundant is that statement? But it's so true. Because if you're interested in starting a business, but all you can see are all the things that are hard, 
if you're trying to start a business and all you see are all the mistakes that you made, if you're trying to start a business, but all you can see is a mountain of paperwork in front of you to file your statement of information and get your LLC registered and figure out how to do a DBA in your local newspaper and why, it's going to be so hard to get it done. But if you're starting a business and you train yourself to look for opportunities, you pick up the newspaper and the business journal and you're looking for new people to call. If you are starting a business and every project that you start is exciting to you, if you're starting a business and you can get excited about the opportunities in front of you, the revenue that's to come, the growth that's to come, and you can get yourself to focus on the positive things that are happening, you're going to reframe what your reticular activating system is focusing on. And it's going to give you such a benefit of compounding interest in your own mind. I want to do another podcast about this because this was a huge game changer for me recently. And I want to give you a really tangible example. You know, when you're in a fight with a friend, a family member, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whomever, and you're stuck in it, you're just like in it. And like everything they do or say, it's just like, oh, you're making it worse. You're so focused on the negative that you're compounding it just like you would interest in a bank. You just get one small percentage more upset every single time you engage and it puts you into this negativity spiral and your negative thoughts compound without you even having to try to make them grow. They just keep going. When I feel myself getting into that state, I have to take really, really cognizant corrective action to go positive again. It's like going into debt. You're going into thought debt. When you are looking to resolve a conflict, it is your job to look for all of the positive things, to open your heart for forgiveness, to look for the positive in the person, to give them the benefit of the doubt, to give them some unconditional positive regard, to look for something good so that you can just at least neutralize that compounding interest and hopefully start to have more positive thoughts so they compound on themselves that's how happy people stay happy. You look for happy things. Your reticular activating system is trained to look for joy and gratitude and happiness. And therefore, you will compound those thoughts on top of each other and they will grow. So when we think about this, as we talk about finances, again, I think one of the biggest things is this whole conversation about abundance and scarcity. I have really struggled with this personally because I'm number one, a practical person. Number two, I'm pretty jaded. I'm also, I mean, I'm pretty positive as a person, but I'm also never going to ignore risk. I'm not very risk adverse. No, I'm risk adverse. That's what I mean. I'm not, that's not even true. I'm not risk adverse. I will take massive risks, but I will do them in a very calculated way. All of this to say, I definitely am guilty of falling into scarcity thinking. And I want to talk about what this means. But before I do, I want to talk about vibes. This is where it gets a little woo-woo, but actually there's science. So, and I have graphs to prove it, y'all. Like there's science to this woo-woo. And this I find really interesting. So when I talk about vibes, like you guys know what I mean. Like when the vibes are off, the vibes are off, you know, like the vibes are off. You just can't get comfortable with a person or a place or a situation. Like it doesn't feel good. And if you're anything like me, you feel that before you can even think about why. Like I get reads off of people real quick. I know if I like them or not, if I trust them or not, if I want to be open to them or not, if they're bullshitting me or not, but I often can't figure out 
what it is that's giving off those bad vibes or even kind of extrapolate what's happening because I'm trying to be present in the moment. I'm like trying to remember your name for God's sakes, right? Like trying to be friendly and carry a conversation and be interesting and charming or interested in you. But I know the vibes are off and I don't even know why at the moment. And what's so interesting about this is that I've been reading a lot about energy and vibes and it's real. It's measurable. Vibes are real. And I want to tell you how. So you know, like the core of your body is your heart. It's pumping right now. It's beating. And the way that it beats is through electricity. So you know when people get a pacemaker, a pacemaker is an electrical device that can give a stimulant, like a little kickstart to your heart if you need some help getting that electrical impulse to regulate. So your heart is an electrically regulated organ, which gives off electricity the same way static electricity gives off a like tingly sensation when you pull some sheets out of the dryer or the same way that when you hit, I don't know, a singing bowl or a tuning fork and you can feel the vibes of that energy, our hearts are also electric energies and they are giving off an energy field. The exact same way when you get close to the television and it feels staticky, that's an electrical field. So your heart does the exact same thing. Your heart gives off static, let's call it, if that makes it feel more comfortable, it gives off an electrical resonance. And it actually can resonate outside of your body about three feet, which is kind of nuts. So when the vibes are off, the vibes are off because the energy frequency is different. This is measurable and this is scientific. What they have studied, and I have this incredible chart, which I feel like I want to make the background of my computer screen. I'm so obsessed with it. So the experiment they ran was they had people sitting together within, you know, three feet range, and they measured their heart rhythm and their coherence that was generated during either a heartfelt experience of appreciation or a feeling of anger towards the other person. And when you look at the readout of the frequency on the appreciation patients, the heart rate spiked up to 0.05 of whatever this frequency is, and then went really high, and then it kind of tapered off. And the angry one literally looks like, you guys, a Charlie Brown character with little squiggles over his head when he's angry. It's low. It's all below 0.01 of this frequency measurement, and it literally looks angry. The appreciation one spikes really high and then slowly comes down, and the angry one looks angry. Those are the vibes. So the other thing that was studied is when people are in spontaneous or planned closeness, they have a linkage between them in their heart resonance. Meaning if they're engaged in deep conversation, they start to kind of synchronize their movements, postures, and heart rates, which is so crazy. And then also, if you have people that are living or working together, kind of like if you work with a bunch of women and your periods all sync up, so do your heart rhythms. You start to synchronize between people you have close relationships with, especially if you're generating feelings of appreciation for one another. So when the vibes feel off, the vibes are off, girly, and it's okay to trust your intuition if it doesn't feel right. And listen to that gut feeling if it doesn't feel right because you're picking up on something real. Energy is not made up. It's not fake. It's measurable. It's science. So what does this have to do with abundant thinking? Well, the reality is the same way that having appreciation vibes 
can change your heart rhythm. So can having abundant vibes. You guys probably read this in high school or college or whatever. You've heard of it. The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Stephen Covey wrote the book and he talks about what it means to have an abundant mindset. Basically, if you have an abundant mindset, you have a growth mindset, which means you can overcome anything because you'll grow to learn how to overcome any of life's challenges with time, determination, and information. When you are in abundant thinking mode, when you are carrying around abundant vibes, you see opportunities. When you're feeling abundant, you're radiating and heart beating abundantly, you are programming your reticular activating system to look for opportunities and look for ways to build your wealth. You're also going to be feeling generous. When you're feeling abundant, you have enough. There's enough to go around. There's enough for everyone. I have plenty of time. I have plenty of resources. I have plenty of whatever it is that I need to give to people. And you also focus more on giving than getting. Because if you're abundant, you don't need anything else. You're set, sister. So there's plenty to go around. I have enough and let me give some to you. And that whole vibe of having enough to go around, it totally turns off your competition switch. When you know in your heart of hearts that even if you have somebody in your same city running the same business, doing the same thing, they're not doing the same thing, sister. Nobody does it like you and nobody does it like her. And maybe there's different niches, different focuses, different techniques. There's enough to go around. I really have worked through this in my business of feeling threatened by other women, specifically those who are in related fields to me. And now I'll tell you, they're some of my best friends. They're doing totally different things than us. And now we partner with a lot of them. Now I refer people to them and they pay me a referral fee. There's no competition for me in business because there's enough to go around. So when I have that mentality, how do you think I show up on a sales call? I'm like, pick us. If you want to, if you want to have the best experience, it's a pleasure to do business with us and look at how good we do. And yeah, we're worth this, this rate. But I don't feel anytime when somebody, when there's a different option, I mean, it's the same thing for me. Like maybe I want to work out with one trainer over another, or maybe I go to one therapist over another. You're finding the right fit. It's okay. There's going to be somebody else. It's going to be okay. There's no competition. So the flip side and what I'm definitely guilty of going to, and what I think a lot of us default to is this scarcity thinking of just these old programs that are running in our brain, that are things that are there that we don't even know about. We don't, we're not even conscious to them. We don't even know that they're running in our brain, but they're running the whole financial show for us. And it's these little trips that we get stuck on. Like, ugh, I never get what I want. I don't have enough. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough save for retirement. I'm not going to be able to figure it out. I don't, I can't do this. I can't afford this. I don't have time for this. Oh, I can't keep up. All of these, if those are things that you've said before, these are hallmarks of scarcity thinking. And there's no shame around this. It's so easy to get there. As I said, I get there often. But now I have programs in place to replace those thoughts. Like when I'm thinking, I don't have time to do this, which is something I feel all the time. My immediate flip of the switch is I don't want to do this or this is not a priority for me. I have the time to do what I want to do. I don't have the time to do things I don't want to do. So when I say I don't have the time to do this, it's my decision that I get to make on if I make the time for it or not. Another thing is I can't afford this. This is not a priority for me. It's trying on different language around the scarcity thinking 
to get back into abundance mentality. I can't afford this. It's not a priority for me. If you needed to drive a brand new Ferrari tomorrow and you were were willing to do whatever it took to get that Ferrari at the expense of going to jail, maybe ruining some lives, you could figure out a way to rob a bank. You could figure out a way to steal some money. You could figure out a way to do something illegal. I'm not advocating for that on the show. This is not financial advice, right? Take a shot. But my point is that where there's a will, there's a way. If you really want a Ferrari, you're not going to be able to earn enough money by being a cupcake decorator part-time on the weekends. You're going to need to get a different job. So you will change your life around to meet the priorities. That's your decision. If decorating cupcakes makes you really happy, by all means, go do that. But then you make the choice about the car that you can afford to drive. Another thing is keeping up with status, trends, or for me, impulse shopping on freaking TikTok shop. I cannot stand it. And you, I just want to give a quick hack. If TikTok shop is ruining your life, go to your filtered words in your profile and you can block out the word TikTok shop so it doesn't show up on your freaking for you page anymore. It has changed my life to do that. I'm so annoyed with everybody shilling shit on TikTok shop. And for me, it does feel like, oh, fun, a cute little two-piece set and I need this for vacation in two months. And oh, it's shit color, poopy brown. Yes, of course, give it to me. I must have it. We got to stop, okay? We can never catch up. They're always going to be selling us something and not just people on TikTok. I mean, marketing companies like AF Marketing, right? What we get to decide instead is I create my own style. I control my capsule wardrobe and I only put things in it intentionally. That's my new mantra. So I'm again, reprogramming this stuff to get this scarcity thinking out of my brain. And all the stuff we've talked about so far, this is all brain stuff, okay? This is all the the brain, it's reformatting, reprogramming. You know, when we talk about feeling abundant, a lot of times we think about what can we action on to do, like writing gratitude lists, which is not just about writing down a list of things you're grateful for. It's about feeling that gratitude, every piece of it, very deeply in your bones. Not just like, I'm grateful I have a dog. It's like, oh my God, like I live with this crazy little fluffy animal that I'm obsessed with. And she only walks this earth for a certain amount of time. And I cannot think about my life without her. Deeply feeling the gratitude, right? Or we talk about being generous. As I mentioned, like when you're feeling sorry for yourself, get outside of yourself and go help someone else. Also activating your reticular activating system so that you are controlling what you're looking at, right? But these are all, as I mentioned, these are all your brain thinking around things. And as I started this whole conversation, we talked about Tony Robbins. And what is Tony Robbins really good at? He's really good at helping people control their physiology. He can get an auditorium full of people to be jumping out of their chairs for four days in a row in the middle of the night, listening to Phil Collins, not hungry, not fatigued, totally fucking stoked to be there. He can get people to walk across burning hot coals to prove something to themselves that they can do it by saying, yes, 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 and punching in the air. He can get people to train their physiology. And for me, that's the magic of this podcast. We're finally getting to it. I promised it was going to be a climax, y'all. We're talking about anchoring. I think this is the most underutilized NLP technique, and it's starting to really change my fucking life. And I mean that. I feel like I've been swearing a lot in this episode. Have I been swearing a lot? I must feel very passionate Anyway, anchoring, what is that? Anchoring in NLP means 
programming a specific feeling that you associate with physical touch or a gesture to be able to recall that powerful feeling at any moment you need. So for example, chanting and punching your fist in the air going, yes, 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 that is anchoring. I have practiced that through that four-day experience with Tony Robbins so many times that I can very quickly get myself into a peak state by doing that. Do I do it? No, you look like a freaking crazy person, but it works. I mean, I did it so many times and then I had a very emotional experience walking across the coals that proved to me that when I got into that physical peak state, I could do anything that I wanted. I could walk across hot coals and I did it. I proved it to myself. So I gave myself immediate evidence that getting into this peak state and getting to feel powerful makes me powerful. Now with Tony's practice, that's about getting into a peak state. So very high energy, I can do anything, honestly, a very masculine kind of peak state. But for what we're talking about here, I want to talk about two more subtle types of emotions. Number one, abundance. Duh, we're talking about money here. Number two, love. So let's break it down, how you set up an anchor on your body. First of all, as I mean the physical touch, there's a lot of different ways that you can create an anchor on your body. Some people touch their ear, pull their ear, pinch their ear. Some people touch their certain thumb and fingers together to kind of create that sensation. Some people tap on the underside of their hand like you would an emotional freedom technique. So there's a lot of different ways that you can lock in an anchor. I'm going to tell you what mine are. My anchor are my knuckles. So I have two knuckles that I use for two different things. The first knuckle that I use to program in and anchor in love is the knuckle where my new engagement ring sits. It's the finger on which my commitment to my partner lives. And it's even if I'm not wearing my ring, what I touch when I want to feel love. And the reason that works, obviously, I have a physical token on my finger and it's very easy to remember. And I've programmed in, in my thoughts, in my meditations, in my feelings, feeling love when I'm touching that knuckle. The other finger for me is my pointer finger on my right hand. And that's my abundance knuckle. That's my abundance anchor. And that's what I want to help you figure out today. So figure out what your anchor is, what you want it to be, the little gesture that you can do for yourself. Maybe it's putting your hand over your heart. Again, maybe it's pulling on your ear, pinching your ear. Um, You can do Tony's technique of punching the air. You're doing a physical movement. I'm picking one that's a little bit more subtle because it's kind of awkward to be like punching the air all day long. So again, you're picking your anchor first, what it is that you want. Then you want to determine what it is you're trying to anchor in. So for this particular example, we're going to anchor in abundance or love. What you're going to do is you're going to, the same way I talked about getting really serious about feeling gratitude, you're going to really get serious about feeling love. You're going to get really serious about feeling abundant. Okay. And I'm going to tell you the weirdest shit. The whole reason why I talked, I wanted to talk about this on the podcast is because I have a new obsession on TikTok that has become the thing that I use to anchor into my abundance. Okay. This is so weird. I just pulled up the account. And this particular account that I found on TikTok, I was just scrolling one night and I was stopped in my tracks. It is a collection of photos. It's not even videos. And you scroll through them like a story on TikTok, right? And it's these AI-generated images of very wealthy-looking homes from the 1980s. You guys are like, you're a freak, Amber. Like, I know. This is so weird. But they have these 
stunning images. I will post them on Instagram so that you can see them. And they're all set to this type of 80s music. Are you ready for this? Oh my God, you guys are going to think I'm so weird. Here we go. I promise it makes more sense when you see the pictures. Does that not sound like a freaking 80s movie? And you guys, the pictures that you see here are just the most insane AI images you've ever seen. They're fully generated and the captions on them are things like POV, it's 1987 and you just got home from your day in corporate law or POV, it's 1988 and you work on Wall Street or POV, you live in 80s Miami. And they're all these interiors. You know, I'm a geek for architecture and interiors that are just so perfectly dialed 80s. The account is called Neon Dreams. I am obsessed. I will post it on our Instagram. I guess I'll post it on our TikTok too, even though I'm kind of neglecting it. But for me, I saw this and I was like, holy shit. Something about the way that I was raised, the 80s movies I was raised on, if you listen to the Saltburn recap, you know I talked about The Secret to My Success and the way that I envisioned my life as an adult when I was a child was the images in this TikTok account to a T. So what I've been doing every single night is looking at these images, listening to the music, involving all of my senses, and then tapping my right knuckle on my pointer finger and locking that shit in, locking that shit in. So if you're trying to lock in a feeling of abundance, because for me, those pictures represent what I thought a wealthy life would be on a very primal level as a child. I thought that's what my wealthy life would look like. Granted, I don't want my house to look like these crazy 80s Hong Kong pink apartments with shag carpet and big soaking tubs with glass tile. I mean, the images are amazing, but the point is that for me, these represent such a feeling of abundance because it's what I thought I would have when I was a kid. And I get to then laugh at the ridiculousness of this and be like, I'm so abundant now. But using the imagery, the music, the fact that I do this at night with my red light on in my bed and I'm programming in that feeling of abundance as if I lived there. I mean, you can probably hear it in my voice. It's just a different resonance. Like I feel so abundant when I think about this and it changes my vibration. It changes my vibration. So during the day, if I want to kind of tap into that, I just tap on my knuckle and I go back to in my brain, in my vision, I think about the music, I think about the images, and it makes me feel abundant. Now, I told you guys about this on another episode, but my amazing friend, Natalia Benson, did a crazy good masterclass all about finances and getting people into peak state before they tackled opening their bank statements or starting to organize their financial lives. And think about the difference of how you feel if you're feeling defeated and stressed about money and you're about to open up your bank account and attack bills or budgeting or whatever versus how you would feel if you were feeling super, super abundant. If you were feeling like, I am resourceful, I'm resourced, I can do this, I can figure it out, I feel limitless, I feel powerful, I can do this. So that feeling, that peak state is a different type of peak state than just feeling abundant. But for me, that abundance feeling, anchoring in that abundance 
has been really powerful to just change my vibration throughout the day. So again, going back to the steps of anchoring, you're going to figure out what your anchor is physically on your body. You're then going to figure out how you want to feel. Then you're going to create an environment and indulge yourself with your brain, your imagination, music, lighting, imagery, whatever it is to get you into the state of feeling the feeling you want to feel. If you haven't felt the feeling that you want to feel, let's say you've never really felt abundant, then you get to use your imagination and completely make it up. If you've never been deeply in love, you get to pull from every cultural reference that you've ever experienced and feel it so deeply in your bones. You put the music on, you put the the eye mask on, you get into the feeling. I want you to conjure up the feelings of this so deeply as you're touching your knuckle or as you're pulling on your ear, doing whatever it is that you need to do. If you're making a fist to feel powerful, doing the thing that you can call upon to get that energy back when you need it. When you need that energy, you do the totem, you do the thing, you do the anchor, you touch, you pull your ear, whatever, and you remember what you saw, heard, and felt in your abundance meditation, in your imagination, or in a memory. So if you have a very specific memory of love, for example, that you want to recall, the feelings that you felt, like for me, the the deepest feeling of love that I I feel when I think about Justin is when we first said, I love you to each other, which was like not something we had planned and we both like spit it out. And it was like a revelation for both of us. And it was so emotionally big for both of us. That for me is something like just talking about it now makes me want to cry. It is such a potent emotion such a potent memory that when I tap on the knuckle on my ring finger, next to my engagement ring. I'm actually not even thinking about my engagement, even though it was amazing and so lovely and fun. But the deepest, most potent feeling of love that I have is that moment between us in Palm Springs at La Serena Villas. That's what I think about. And then when you're tapping on this in the future and you're anchored in to that feeling, you're going to be able to recall it at any time. And again, we said what happens when you're abundant? Well, people pick up your vibes. When you're feeling confident, people pick up your vibes. When you're feeling good, you attract more good, girl. So I want you to feel love. I want you to feel the feelings that you think you're going to feel when you have all the money in the bank before you have the money in the bank. And that's what anchoring is. And that's why I'm so fucking stoked about it. Because if you can feel the feelings before you have the thing that you think is going to make you have the feelings, like I said at the beginning, you think having a very full bank account is going to make you feel secure happy, liked, admired, beautiful. If you can feel those feelings now, well, baby, I just saved you a shit ton of money that you had to save because that's the core. Again, the superficial things that we think that we need, the car, the purse, the house, whatever, that's that's there too, for sure. But why do we want the things that we want? Because we want the feelings that are associated with having the things that we want. Oh, this has been a really potent episode. I told you I was going to get a little woo-woo. I told you we were going to go there. I just want to say, what a ride. I mean, every podcast episode that I research and put thought into is stuff that I'm going through right now as well. My heart is pounding right now, you guys. Like My energy resonance feels really, really good. And I'm so beyond grateful. I know I say this on every show, I'm a broken record, but for you to be here on this journey with me as we're growing together is beyond a gift. It's something that I never thought that I was going to be able to do. And like 
even after I walked on fire with Tony Robbins, I still thought like, how can I keep this up? Even there was a time this week when I was like, fuck, when am I going to get this done? But it just spills out of me when I get in front of the microphone. And so I want to thank you for being here. I want to remind you that if there's anything I can help you with or something specific you want to talk about, let's talk about it. So send me a DM, Old Money Podcast. Send me an email, oldmoneypodcast at gmail.com. Oh my God, I'm sounding like Claudia Oshray from The Toast. Or go to oldmoneypodcast.com and leave me an anonymous note and tell me how beautiful, stunning, and smart I am, right? That's what they say on The Toast. So before we let you go today, I think what I'm going to do moving forward is put a little birdie and bogey at the end. And please remember, if you do not play golf, it's okay, neither do I. A birdie is a score in golf when you get one stroke under par, which is good. And a bogey is one stroke over par, which is bad. I'm just helping to prime you for the country club so you have the vocabulary and look good on the link. So in this segment, I'll let you know who or what got my birdie of the week and who or what missed the mark and got a bogey. So let's get into it. Okay, my birdie for this week is that I've been investing in myself. Your girl has saved the money. She did the work and she's paying. And who I'm paying right now is number one, Amazon for my new office chair. You guys, I finally got a new office chair. It's not even that expensive. It's like 200 bucks, I think. It's not super cute, but it's definitely not ugly. It's not black. It's this like tan color. It's kind of like muted, muted taupe, I guess you would say. And it's very comfortable. It's not the crisscross chair that everybody's slanging on TikTok shop, but it is wide enough for me to cross my legs on it so I can sit on it that way. And the way that this chair has motivated me to work so much is so crazy. I got it last Friday and then I ended up staying up working until 1130 at night, auditing our website at afmarketing.com. So if you want to see a really, really good website, go to afmarketing.com, afmktg.com. It's so perfect. I'm obsessed with it. The team has been working so hard and getting all of the assets together, writing all the copy and just fine-tuning it. I'm just so proud. And our website is such a representation of all of the work that we've done. It's barely scratching the surface, quite frankly. Um, But my gosh, I'm so proud of it. So yes, I bought the office chair, invest in yourself. And the other thing that I did is I bought a new bag. And I've been on this hunt for a new bag for months now, really been struggling because I had that Saint Laurent Rivage Gauche. I don't know how to say it. How embarrassing. You know what I'm talking about. It's that tan bag with black handles that has Saint Laurent on the side, Rive Gauche, however you say that. And I used that all last summer and shoved it under a bunch of airplane seats. It traveled with it. I used it as a work bag. I got super beat up. It's disgusting. It needs to be retired. So I've been trying to see, am I going to buy that bag again? Was I going to get a black bag? Well, I didn't want to get all black because I'm trying to add more color into my wardrobe. And so I've been looking, 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 and I wasn't finding anything. I didn't want something leather. I didn't want to get the same bag as I already had. I didn't want something that felt cheap. I didn't want just a beach bag because I wanted to also use it for travel. And I also wanted to use it for work stuff because I live in San Diego and it can be kind of casual. So I was browsing Fashion File and I found the most incredible Fendi tote with wooden handles. It is so chic. I'm obsessed with it. And I got it for literally half the price as you would get it new. And it's actually in amazing condition. I'm so excited. It's going to be my work bag, my travel bag, my everything bag. And I'm so excited. It should be arriving tomorrow. And just, you know, the anticipation of waiting for something in the mail and how amazing that is. I cannot wait to receive it. So 
My birdie for the week is that I've invested in myself. And the great part about that is I've bought all the things that I need on my credit card and I already had all the money saved in my high yield savings account, which I cover in episode five, setting yourself up for savings success, afford everything that you want. I think that's episode five. Anyway, really happy to have some new things to look forward to. But my bogey this week is a new development in the news world about the state of finances for young people. And I saw this and I thought, wow, what a what a good headline. Money dysmorphia traps millennials and Gen Zers. Now we've heard of body dysmorphia, which is having an experience where you perceive flaws or obsessively focused on perceived flaws in your body or your appearance. Body dysmorphia is like an eating disorder and it might not even be true what this person is experiencing, but they hyperfixate and frequently examine their appearance, constantly obsessing about their flaws or their shape or their weight or whatever it is. It does take treatment from a medical professional to treat body dysmorphia. Money dysmorphia is the same thing, but with finances. And the way that these articles are written is that they're saying, wow, 43% of Gen Z and 41% of millennials say they suffer from a flawed perception of their finances. And it sounds like TikTok-induced anxiety or money dysmorphia being a real problem. But the reality is, is that all of these thoughts and feelings about the dysmorphia, that obsession, the fixation, is rooted in fear. And that's the real issue here. This article, it's from Bloomberg. We can link it in the show notes. It talks a lot about how Gen Zers and millennials were raised in financially stable homes with quote unquote middle-class experiences, but that they're not having that for themselves and they're having a lot of anxiety. And so all the headlines being like, we're having to hear how, how tough it is, but the reality is, and we've talked about this before, it is different out there. The landscape has changed. This is not the same environment that our parents were in when our parents were trying to get settled with their families in their homes, but there's also never been so much opportunity. There's never been so much money to be made. You weren't making $600,000 a year at you know, a tech company like Facebook or Google or Meta, or Meta is Facebook, sorry, Amazon, when you were in the 80s like that. That was much more rare. There was no OnlyFans in 1996. Okay. That is a new opportunity. So I think this is a really interesting study of talking about the anxiety, but especially anxiety induced from social media. What this article really highlights is the fact that a lot of people are having anxiety because the rush of information that we have at our fingertips at all times really does stress people out thinking that they don't have enough when they see other people having more. So this is going back to refocusing into an abundance mindset and knowing that, yes, other people have more and other people have less, but what you're not seeing on Instagram are the people that have less. You're really only seeing the people who have the Bugattis and the Hermes Birkins. So really interesting thing to keep in mind as we think about financial dysmorphia. And again, body dysmorphia is obsessing over real or, no, I would say perceived flaws, honestly, because everybody's beautiful in their own right. And with the financial dysmorphia, it's also obsessing over perceived lack. And is that really true? The same way I would ask somebody with body dysmorphia, well, I wouldn't ask this, it's a little insensitive, but you would question somebody who's experiencing that, is this flaw real? Does it need that much stress and attention? I would ask you the same thing about your finances. If you are saving 10% of your income, if you are investing, if you are doing your 401k match, if you have a good head on your shoulders, you're controlling your financial fight or flight, you don't need to be stressed about your money. There's a different way. So interesting article. 
it kind of gets my bonky of the week because it's a big bummer. It's another headline about how millennial and Gen Z are just fucked up. We're never going to survive being grownups. And I think there's another side of the story that could be explored. So with that, I'll let you go. Thank you for hanging on with me through this episode. And thank you for spending your time with me as always. I'm on a mission to make us all rich. So if you have friends that don't listen to the Old Money podcast yet and need to, please send them this episode. I think this is one of my most favorite episodes. This was a potent episode. Lots of good nuggets in here. I love you guys so very much. You make me feel so rich. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Feeling rich? I hope so. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Old Money. If you have questions you want answered, email me at oldmoneypodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social. We are at Old Money Podcast and I am at your service. If this episode spoke to you, inspired you, helped you, if you took a single note, it would mean the world to me if you could please just take a minute to rate and review the podcast. And if you're not doing so already, subscribe. And if you have friends who like getting rich, please share this episode with them, even if it's just on your Instagram story. And I'd love you more than Jeff Bezos loves Amazon Prime. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you on the next episode. Remember, I'm not your lawyer, I'm not your tax professional, and I'm not your financial advisor. The content presented in this podcast is intended to entertain, educate, inspire, and support listeners in their personal and professional development and does not constitute business, financial, or legal advice. In addition to that, this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. 